It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country, <laughs> brought to you by Bottle Barn. Dan Berger, of course, is here, and today we're featuring Paul Calcalumgadow. <laughs> You got that right. <laughs> All right. I asked him how to pronounce it, and he said K, and then everything is silent after yeah, The rest is silent. <laughs> we'll call him Paul K. So they think I'm Hawaiian. Don't worry about it. Well, no, really. How do you, how do you pronounce your last name? Callum Carrion, if you're just getting off Ellis Island. <laughs> that's good. I got it right. Yeah, that's right. Carrion. Callum Carrion. Callum Carrion. Okay. Well, welcome, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you. You're the dude who started the very first Wine of the Month Club, and I want to talk a lot more about that. You're based in L.A.? We're based in a little town called Monrovia, about an hour east of L.A. Yeah, okay. And don't confuse uh, Paul Callum Caring with Paul Callum Caring Sr., the guy that did start the original Wine of the Month Club <laughs> in 1972. Oh, okay. You're yes. the son, then. I'm the son, yes. Okay. Well, talk about your dad as as and I how know. this whole thing started, because the Wine of the Month Club, 1972, I mean, that... That's 50... 50 years ago. Talk about being way ahead of his time. Well, I prepared a short speech, but since we have so much time, I'll give you the long version. How about that? <laughs> now, my dad came to the country in 1949 as a pharmacist, got a job at USC, as the uh, started the pharmacy there, actually, in 1951. Found out that uh, President Eisenhower was pouring a Charles Krug Cabernet for Queen Elizabeth when she came to town in 1959 or 58. Found that fascinating. Bought a case from his Lion Club friend in Inglewood, California. And that started his sort of love of wine in the beginning. And when he had a chance in 1969, he bought a liquor store, turned into a great wine shop, one of the premier wine shops that if you speak to the Dan Burgers of the world, <laughs> uh, they'll tell you that one of the first wine shops in Los Angeles that actually had fine wines. And that's how it started. Wow. And where did he grow up? Where was Cairo. He Cairo. Okay. Cairo. <laughs> yeah, everybody's favorite hangout. Right there. <laughs> and that's why I can't pronounce the last name. It's all Greek to yeah, me. So. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and then let's talk about your journey into the wine world uh, through your father and what it is you do now. Well, we were, we, Dan and I were just talking, we were, having, we were having a blast talking about the old days, but I would stock the shelves, Hardy Burgundy, uh, but, you know, there was a Playboy rack at that wine shop still, and there was a basement, so that was, spent some time down there, but uh, we, <laughs> we, we, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> I really didn't care that much. Uh, we drank a lot of beer in those days, and when I went to corporate America, I worked for Xerox for five years, and then I started a company uh, selling software to some guys. And my dad came to me and said, you know, uh, I'm getting a little tired. It's, it's 1988. Uh, I've got about, I don't know, 800 members in my club, and I'm thinking about selling. I have an offer. And I thought, you know, it's probably time to check it out. So I went down and worked with him for f about six months. We went to a Bordeaux tasting together. I didn't tell you this, Dan. Uh, and there were 25 wines there. We, we sat separately. We used our three-point system, not the 100-point system. And we were only different on two wines. And he thinks at that time that I gave him a dollar for the company, but I know much more than that because I pay him every month for the last 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, you're doing a podcast called Wine Talks. Yeah, Wine Talks with Paul K. It's available at all your favorite podcast hangouts as well as winetalkspodcast.com. Um, I have had, because I can buy stuff, right? I get to buy stuff, and I buy a lot. Uh, I have not had one 
person say, no, I'm not going to be on your show. So we've had Opus, Mike Salachi. I've had Peter Mondavi from Charles Krug. I've had the great chefs like Jonathan Waxman, Michael McCarty, Ken Frank on the show. Uh, it's just it's a great education. And now I've, I'm done. I'm going to retire because I just had Dan Berger on the show. <laughs> and that's pretty much, can't get much better than that. Yeah, well, Dan Berger joined us years ago, and I tried to retire, but it hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he keeps firing me. I keep, the holes, I guess, right? he keeps firing me. I keep coming back. <laughs> so, is the podcast once a week or, or how it's you about doing twice that? a week? Uh, we came up this uh, this last three days. I've done six podcasts in the last three days. Man, I am tired, but uh, I love it. It's a great way to just learn from people and get, get experience without having to actually do anything. <laughs> so, and aren't you? Uh, you're up here now, and we are so glad that you're in the studio with us. And thanks, Dan. Uh, you've got to do an interview with an L.A. radio station, right? Yes, I do. Uh, I've done quite a few, actually. Uh, but, I mean, you're doing that from here in our building? No, this uh, is a, This is actually, no, he, we, 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 we taped his show in the back, in the green room. Oh, in the podcast. Yeah, that's today, the podcast. That's yeah. our recording of the podcast. Okay. I've been on a couple of TV shows down there, yeah. Actually, I was on A View from the Bay up in the old days in San Francisco with Christian, what's his name, a big wine guy. Yeah, right. Oh, Spencer Christian. Years yeah. ago. Spencer Christian, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big the wine we- guy. The weather guy. Yeah. Huge wine guy. Big wine guy. Yeah. And a total sweetheart. Who I, I was on his show. I had the pleasure to meet a couple times. Yeah. What a guy. Really what a nice guy. man. Yeah. Did you come up here just to interview Dan Berger for your podcast? <laughs> yes, and I thought, well, I might as well interview the people over at Silver Oak, and I might as well interview the people at Wine Access, one of the competitors. <laughs> A master right. of wine, Vanessa Conley, and I might as well hang out with Jean-Charles Boisset for a few minutes, too, while I'm at it. That's <laughs> <So, laughs> why we're drinking the That's Buena right. Vista Chardonnay tonight. That's right. We're doing the Buena Vista Chardonnay. Can you talk so, about the Buena Vista, uh, Dan? Well, the reason that, uh, one of the reasons that we got together, uh, Paul and I, uh, was uh, to, because I hadn't seen him in person. I met your dad years ago. Uh, but I know uh, his uh, the guy who works with you is Ed Masiana. I've known Ed for like 40 years. Please and don't. And Ed is just a wonderful guy, great sense of humor, and uh, probably the great curmudgeon of all time, but uh, fabulous guy. And when, as we got together to have lunch today and then uh, later on, I suddenly realized that we don't have any specific wines from the Wine of the Month Club. So we went out and got some wines that would be... Typical examples of the wines that would normally be carried by the Wine of the Month Club, which is a really wonderful opportunity because Paul's reputation rests on these the quality of these wines. If these wines don't perform, then people eventually walk away from Wine of the Month Club. So in order for so you don't have to worry about numbers on these wines. You don't have to worry about this has got eighty eight and this has got ninety four. You don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Paul has tasted every single wine that went through the program, and if it's validated to be good enough for you, then it's good enough for the program, and that's enough of a support base that you have a long-term. How many many of your people are with you 20, 25 years? You know, I had a customer show up uh, two weeks ago. They were on vacation, and they decided they wanted to uh, swing in on their way home. They wanted to see the Wine of the Month Club. They wanted to see the facility. They wanted to meet me, and they joined in 1988. And unfortunately, you know, just back in the 70s when my dad started doing this stuff, a lot of those folks aren't with us anymore. So I've lost those those sales. But <laughs> it's I have very loyal customers. And Dan, you're exactly right. It's because nothing goes through this club without me tasting it and approving it for this value and its representation of what it is. 
the Buena Vista Chardonnay is not necessarily that because I didn't bring any wines with me because, like I said, I rode my bike up here from L.A. So <laughs> is that this is a Jean-Charles wine. Jean-Charles Boisset is the, the famed Frenchie, they call him, around the village. Uh, but his father was Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Boisset from the Burgundy region of France. And he came to America like when he was 10. And the first place they went was Buena Vista. And he looked at his dad. He says, one day I'm going to own this place. And now it looks like Louis XIV's uh, chateau. So, okay. <laughs> because so he owns is, it. This is a 2016 vintage uh, North Coast Chardonnay from Buena Vista. It's called the uh, Viticultural Society uh, uh, Bottling. The nice part about it is it's already got some five years of age, which is really, really nice well, feature I, to this wine. And I don't wine. sense that at all. No, because it's fresh and, and young. Yeah. But the best part about it is available at Bottle Barn for twelve ninety nine. Whoa! You know, no this, complaints. I it's a $16. Barn place, I keep hearing about it. It's amazing. It sponsored the show, right? Yeah. Yes. You, so need, you need to get over I'm there go before you have on, on the way out. This is amazing. Twelve ninety nine. Pretty amazing stuff. And this would be a good example of the kind of wine that you'd be selling so that in your club, you're going to have great value, not necessarily available to the consumer anywhere else. Correct. We never know uh, what we're going to get. We taste everything, anything. On Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, they start to line up. I shut down at 2 o'clock. I'll taste between 75 and 100 wines. But uh, The odd thing is I've been doing that every Tuesday for the last 32 years. So I've tasted somewhere around 100,000 wines. And it was not because that's I, that was my objective. It was because I just got to taste everything that comes through. And so uh, they, you won't believe the stuff we taste. I mean, it is... About 85% of it doesn't make the grade. Either it's too expensive or, 85. Should, 85, wow. or shouldn't be in the bottle at all, and there's a lot of that. Paul, that is exactly the percentage of wines that I, I reject out of my tasting. See that? See, great when I do tastings at home, 85% get rejected. Yeah, great palates taste alike. Yeah. Well, look, the, the deal is, and you know this already, if I plant the grape, it costs a lot of money. It takes me four years of sitting on the cash to make sure that uh, I'm going to pick some grapes. And I make that first vintage, and it's not very good. I'm not dumping it out. So I'm either selling that juice to somebody else who's going to blend it off to something else that's not going to be very good, or I'm going to bottle it and try and sell it as a shiner with you know, no label. But it's not going to be thrown away. It's it'll true. end up on the shelf somewhere, right? Well, that's a, that's a, a good example of why uh, wine programs like clubs like this are valid. Because you've got only one thing to sell. It's your reputation. That's right. Correct. You, you mentioned folks coming to see you, to see the operation, long-time yep. Wine of the Month members. What did they see? Are they going to the original liquor store that your father owned that you've converted into something? What the, exactly do they the see? The liquor store is at Palos Verdes Estates. <laughs> I've moved it like five times myself. But we're in Monrovia. We have a 12,000-square-foot warehouse and office. It's got wow. conference room. It's got taste room. Uh, actually, the post-COVID now, the tasting room opens uh, September 18th, and uh, you can taste a myriad of things, all the things we select, open to the members and the public. In fact, this part of Monrovia is a little industrial uh, gentrification of alcohol sales, so there's two brew pubs, the Wine of the Month clubs is there now. Um, but it is a facility, functioning facility, and it's pretty cool, actually. That, that is? That's very cool. I had a graffiti. I mean, literally had a graffiti. Oh, you hired Actually, and I paid for it like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just hung up a don't graffiti <laughs> <Exactly>. signs. <laughs> yeah, well, the worst. As soon as you do that, you're home free. Yeah. <laughs> it probably would have been better, you know. <laughs> uh, Paul so. K. Callum Kiarian. Callum Kiarian, really. Yeah. Uh, 
It's Wine Talks, great podcast, available where all great podcasts are offered. And we'll talk more about the Wine of the Month Club, how this all started with uh, Paul's dad in 1972. This is a fascinating story. And I'm so glad that uh, you were able to, to pop in with us. Well, when I, when, I, when I was coming up north, Ed Masiana, the mutual friend of, of Dan and I, said, you gotta, you got to see Dan. I said, you know, you're right. And we've talked on the phone a few times. And I said, I'm going to come up and spend some time together. He goes, well, come on to the show. Why don't you come on the show? And I go, I don't know. I'm a little reluctant with microphones, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a little problem with that. My wife complains about that all the time. So, <laughs> but we, this is fascinating to be here and fun to be here. You know, I was thinking about it. It's when you come up for work, it really is work. I mean, this is fun work. And I told my wife and I were sitting in the hotel room today and we're on our computers. I'm like, I can get used to this, right? <laughs> You already have. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I used to hang out. Oh, I will Zoom call with the staff. I'm I'm here in the hotel room. It's perfectly fine. Can you turn the air conditioner down just a little bit? You know that, that kind of thing. How long are you in the area for? We're done. We're done tomorrow. We were here uh, Sunday. We got here Sunday. Oh. Yeah. So we got to get him to Bottle Barn, Dan. Yeah, we're going to get, Bottle Barn. You got, he'll yeah, he'll go in there sure. this afternoon. Yeah. Okay. On the way back. We'll, Fabulous. We'll cool. I mean, I think the most important thing about uh, Wine and Month Club is that it's a no-brainer. You don't have to think too much. There's going to be an educational process that's in, initiated as soon as you, you join the club. There's these tasting notes. You want to explain the tasting notes yeah, that you I will. produce? It's a, such an important thing. And Ed and I and, and Dan have beat this to, to the pulp. The, the rating systems is, is a joke now. I mean, you walk into any market, any supermarket, you'll see every single wine has a shelf talker. Every single one. So how do you decide now that everything's got a yellow tag? 92 in the spectator, 95 in suckling, whatever it is. You have no choice. And how many times have you bought a 95-point wine and got, you know, this isn't really that isn't that great, great right? Yeah. Yeah. happens all the time. And so the difference is you're not taking me into this. You're taking me into the store, actually, and you're saying, okay, Paul, there's 25 $40 Cabernets on the shelf, and I've tasted them all, or pretty much. That one's not worth 10 and this one's probably worth 50 as far as their relative value to each other, not some magnanimous scale. I mean, really, do you think that 96 is that much better than a 95 or a 92? <laughs> I mean, can you really do that? And if you talk to some of the old-timers like Michael Broadbent, we were talking about that. He passed away last year. Uh, those guys back in the day, they didn't do that. They didn't have 100-point systems. They had f- five stars. It was a general relative understanding of the wine. And Dan and I agree, does this represent what it's supposed to represent? Is this one we just poured a Picpul Panay, which is, we were just talking a few minutes ago, there's only four in the country that actually make this grape. This is a French version where it's from in the Languedoc in the south. But how is that supposed to taste? How would you know if you bought this and it was a good one or a bad one? And somebody has to taste it for you and say, this is an excellent example and ever worth all... I mean, Dan really went to town, right? This is twelve ninety nine, I think, right? So eleven forty nine at Bottle Barn. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. All so, right. Fascinating wine as well. And how would you buy this? Would you walk into the store? Well, let's talk about Armenian wines for a second. Big coming on the scene, new new vintners, new technologies. You walk into uh, your local store, and the guy goes, "Hey, you ought to try this Armenian wine." And you're like, "Armenian? I can't even say Kalimkarian." <laughs> <laughs> But what do you guys think of this? I think it's very nice. It's got a lot of nice minerality. 
Um, it's got a little bit of uh, almost a squash component. Uh, mm-hmm. The aromatics are really interesting, but I'm not sure what call it. Squash. This has more weight than most I've tasted. Yeah, it's a little on the richer side. Yeah. But what is that vintage? I don't. I'm getting. A, I don't know. Was that lychee or some kind of? It's 2020. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of almost a lychee character, but maybe figs. Yeah, figs. Oh, yeah, that's, I like that. See. It See, gets, we just bullshit each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets a 100 on the Steve so, Jackson scale, and Steve's scale works. It's a 100-point wine if it's if it's within his reach. <laughs> if he has to take a step to it, it's down to 95. Or if it's free. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Free or you know, I never thought of that. What a great idea. <laughs> it is uh, California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Our guest today is Paul Kalamkarian. His podcast is called Wine Talks. It's available where every great podcast is offered. His dad started the very first Wine of the Month Club in 1972. Mm-hmm. The best website to get a hold of you is wineofthemonthclub.com. Wineofthemonthclub.com is where we sell our wines and start the club, as well as the winetalkspodcast.com is where we hang out to talk to chefs and winemakers. But I have to tell you a funny story. When my dad started the Wine of the Month Club, it was kind of out of a necessity. He owned a pharmacy, so... Selling drugs just wasn't where it was at, so he decided alcohol would be more fun, so he shifted gears. The stores were connected, and, and people would come into the wine shop and want his recommendation. He had to leave the pharmacy counter. They were connected, so he walked behind the stores, back into the thing, wearing his pharmacy smock, choose some wines, walk back, and then he started realizing this is more fun. This is People come in the pharmacy are sick and tired and ailing. People came in the wine shop and went, hey, let's party. So he, <laughs> he, started, he literally sold everything else and kept the liquor store. And, and that's and my first job, I got my license. The, literally the day I got my license, I started delivering the wines of the month. Completely burned out his clutch in his truck because I thought first gear, but it's actually second gear. When I, started <laughs> I pull into the shop, he goes, what smells? I go, I think it's the clutch, Dad. <laughs> That's how it started. I got a question for you, Paul. What was the strangest wine that you've ever put in the Wine of the Month Club? Well, uh, that I put in it? Yeah. You know, we've done a lot of strange things, but I'll tell you a funny story. We got a call from a customer, and it happened to be a CHP officer, and we don't put on our boxes, well, now you have to say it's alcohol, but back then you didn't have to say anything. So we, we didn't want anybody to know that alcohol was coming through the front door or the back door of any corporation, but this happened to be a CHP officer, and he called me livid. He says, what are you doing? I don't think this is funny at all. You sent me Thunderbird. And I go, I'm sorry. So he goes, your warehouse probably did that, and I think that's really disgusting, and I think, I think you should apologize. I go, well, let me just find out. The guy that packed the wine then, there's no way he would have ever done that. Two hours later, he calls back. He goes, I'm sorry, sir. Well, the guys at the dock at the CHP had slid it open, taken the wine out, put in Thunderbird, and retaped it. <laughs> So That's that, pretty you know, funny. That would be the strangest thing I've ever said. <laughs> when say. the word was Thunderbird and the price was 40 twice. 40. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, it's like... It's now, a song, actually. That's right. You're evaluating hundreds of wines a month, mm-hmm. and you end up picking about a dozen. What has a wine got to do to be picked by you for the Wine of the Month Club? Well, we start with how cheap it is. No, I'm kidding. That's not Hence <laughs> 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 the Thunderbird. <laughs> right. You know. yeah, we, Dan and I were talking about this earlier on the podcast and, and, uh, at lunch. That is, does it represent what it's supposed to be? So is this a peak pool from the Languedoc, or is it just white wine? Is this an Alexander Valley Cabernet? 
or is it just a Cabernet? And so we try to send what's indicative of what it's supposed to be. And that's really what wine should be about. Uh, unfortunately, the Internet's changed a lot about how we market wine, and we don't want to get into that conversation, but the, the primary concern is, am I educating my clients on what that wine should be? I, like, for instance, here's a great example. Pinot Noir from Chile. They've been growing it for a long time. It's just red wine up until a few years ago where they finally found what it took to make it taste like Pinot Noir. And that's an important feature of the thing. And now there's some really, really good ones from that area, uh, Argentina as well. But it took 20 years. What do you think? Yeah, the real difficulty in that is that when Paul has a wine like that, he he finds a wine that's representative of the variety. It really shows its region. Everything is right. All, All the stars have been in alignment for a while. And now the moment is... How do you sell that to the consumer who's already agreed to buy it without knowing what it is? So they get it at their doorstep, and that literature that you send has to explain why they have it. Exactly And that's tricky. It's it's no different than the bottle barn, right? The bottle barn being a great store, I want to walk into the bottle barn, talk to the representative, and say, I'm looking for something that represents Alexander Valley. What do you have? And you rely on that person's knowledge oh and they have it and they have it yeah. to choose something nice it's just not for me it's from that's the way a wine shop should be it should not be two gondolas of cabernets with shelf talkers and and you know if you buy six you get 10 percent off that's not the wine yeah, experience. like barkers step right up to this pinot here we go yeah that's right here sideshow wine are these all based on your sole evaluation yes you have oh it is just you i taste every single bottle blind um when i was a teenager my dad would do tuesdays at evening, he would invite the doctors that supported the pharmacy chains up to a tasting. He had the, the, the UC Davis 20-point scale. They would taste the wines together. And he decided that, you know, if he didn't agree with them. It didn't matter. He chose the wines anyway. So <laughs> the doctors thought. But that's that same Tuesday, just blindly, I decided you know, Tuesdays in, is Tuesday. That's in 1974, I, I was a taster for Joe Colomb at, at the original Trader Joe's. He, yeah, he had right. two stores. And... We tasted the wines on Tuesday mornings from 9 o'clock to about 11 o'clock. There were about usually about 25 to 30 wines. And we there were about 12 of them. And then you went home and slept the rest of the day. No, we spit everything. In fact, the the palate cleanser was romaine lettuce. Believe it, it makes a pretty terrible-looking spit cup. (laughs) That was terrible. The spit cup looked terrible, but it it, it really works. So anyway, we tasted all these wines. And then at the the end of the day, at 11 o'clock, we'd roll around, and Joe would say, well, thanks, guys. We're thrilled that you did this. And I said, well, which one are you going to choose, Joe? He says, well, I'm going to choose the one you selected, number three. I said, well, what about the first two? He says, I didn't like them, and I own this this shop. So Dan you, talk and, and Paul talk about this. Uh, well, the pig pool is, is a delightful wine. It's got that little sort of figgy character, maybe a little bit. I call it originally had a little squash character, but now the fig character is coming out a little bit more. It's a softer wine. It's not as as crisp and angular, sharp acidity as it was in some past vintages. This 2020 uh, pig pool from Casella, and it's a really delightful wine for eleven and a half dollars at Bottle Barn, and it's. It's the kind of wine that Paul would have because it really does represent 
a grape variety that you would otherwise not on uh, on your own find. You would you wouldn't walk into a store and say, "Hey, let me uh, I'd like to buy a bottle of Pickpool." You, yeah. You're not going to do that. It doesn't happen, right? So, but, but if this shows up on your doorstep, you're going to say, "I don't know what this is, but we're going to try." It. And if you're adventuresome, which most wine people are, they would love that because that's the kind of wine that you would not otherwise find on your own. Pick pool. It's not P I G. It no, sounded pig. like you were saying pig pool, <laughs> no, but it's, it's pick pool. P I C P O U L. And it's called De Penne. I don't know what that is. It's Dipenet. the name of the grape variety. Dipenet. And and it's it's from the south of France. It's been imported to the United States for many many years. It's very reliable. It sells for normally around right, right around fifteen dollars, fourteen dollars, fifteen dollars. Paul. Uh, Sorry to interrupt, yeah, Dan, right. but yeah, let's let Paul talk about this wine because well, I, uh, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Tip your waiter and drive safely. Actually, that's it's a very old district. Um, there's another brand called uh, Domitien, uh, which is the name of the road that the Romans built, and that's kind of what its popularity is about. But uh, Dan was right on. This is a unique wine. You're not going to walk into the store and say, "Oh, look, a people." There's a there's a grape in Armenia called Voskahat. Repeat after me: Voskahat. Voskahat. <laughs> so this is Armenia. Yeah. So you're going to walk into a wine shop and say, "Can I have some Voskahat?" You know that doesn't happen. But you walk into a bottle barn or the wine of the month club or any other place and say, "What do you have that's interesting that I can try?" And so, Let me take you over here to this this shelf. We're not going to take you to the regular shelf. And when Dan and I were talking about the homogenization of, of wine in America, which is corporate America is coming to America. They're this public companies now. They buy up all these wineries. and they everything, Not that everything tastes the same because they should taste differently, but there's just this sort of structure thread yeah. that's kind of, kind of boring. And now it's time to, for us to taste things like this that we're going to get something interesting, expand our palates, learn a little bit more about this incredibly complicated business. Oh, oh and, and it is complicated. Yeah. There's and no and if you say that. 85% or get rejected, that's not wine that you would not drink. You'd probably drink it on, on, a, on a bet or whatever. But the point is that it's not something you want to market. You don't want to put your reputation behind. If, and I, literally, Dan, 5% of the stuff I taste is undrinkable. 15% <laughs> makes the grade, or, you know, Eighty percent doesn't. Five percent. They'll put it in the bottle and they're trying to sell it, and I taste it. Sometimes I can't put it in my nose. In it. And look how big my nose is. <laughs> I'll attest to that. Yes. <laughs> so, speaking of interesting and surprising, what wine comes to mind recently that you've tasted that just knocked your socks off, surprised you, and you were so glad to be able to offer it to your wine of the club members, wine of the month members? The uh, recently. Dan might know, may not. Um, I was tasting the wine. I go, wow, this is fabulous. I have a database with all, with about 50,000 wines in it. The other 50,000 I've tasted have been off-site or somewhere else. And I, every wine I taste on Tuesday is in this computer. I can bring it up on my phone. Blah, 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 blah. If I start taste, typing a grape name, it'll bring it up because it's already in there. Right? Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, whatever. I'm typing L I S T. Nothing. R and nothing. It's called Lister, Listeron Negro. It's grown in the Canary Islands. Okay, I'm like, hello. I've never tasted the wine from the Canary Islands after all this stuff. I fell in love with it. Very Italian-esque, very spicy wine. Not too bold. And I flipped over it. I brought it in immediately. Uh, too expensive for my club members to buy, but I made it available to them to try. 
And, you know, that's what's fascinating about the wine business. And this isn't a new wine. This is a very old wine. It's just we never see them in America. Right. And we get a chance to taste them. It is California wine country. And we're honored to meet Paul Kalamkardian. His dad started the very first Wine of the Month Club in 1972. His podcast is called Wine Talks. Hey, welcome to Wine Talks with Paul Kay. And we are in studio today in beautiful Southern California, Monrovia, California. To kind of bring to the forefront the stories of wine and what wine's about, and it's not about the stuff you see on the shelf. It's about some really interesting stories like this Alexander Valley Cabernet we're tasting here. There's some beautiful stories. It's a historical beverage. I mean, you have a show on beer, which is a which craft beer is great. Um, distilled spirits are great. Wine has a an ethereal guttural value that takes you to where it's from and, and the way it was best put to me by a woman who makes wine in Armenia was what other product can you grab take across the world put it on the table and say this is who we are and this is when we were right you take a burgundy from from the 1800s or the 1900s or a port from 1834 I tasted recently and you say wow this is 1834 this is pretty fascinating stuff and that's what the podcast is for Great to meet you, Paul. Great being here. Callum Karian. Check out wineofthemonthclub.com. Next week, we get Tom Simino, Tim Bell from uh, Dry Creek Vineyards, who one of the great winemakers in Sonoma County. He's making fabulous uh, Chenin Blanc. He's making Zinfandel that's to beat the band, and Cabernet and Emeritage and all kinds of other stuff, and Sauvignon Blanc and Fumé Blanc. And, uh, and you'll be in. No, I won't be in. I miss it this week. I gotta be. I'm a judge at the Mendocino County Wine Competition coming up next week, and I gotta be there. Gotta had be I there. known, had I known, <laughs> I would have waited. And gone, yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom Simino in next week on California Wine Country. Uh, Paul, bless you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And we will talk again. Absolutely. All right.
Next week we get Tom Simino. Oh, we do? Yeah, Tom is... What? Tim Bell. Tim Bell from uh, Dry Creek Vineyards, who, one of the great winemakers in Sonoma County. He's making fabulous uh, Chenin Blanc. He's making Zinfandel that's to beat the band, and Cabernet and Emeritage and all kinds of other stuff, and Sauvignon Blanc and Fumé Blanc. And you'll be in. No, I won't be in. I miss it this week. I gotta be, I'm got to be. i a judge at the Mendocino County Wine Competition coming up next week, and i got to be there. Gotta had, be I there. Known, had I known... <laughs> I would have waited. Here. And gone, yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom Simino in next week on California Wine Country. Uh, Paul, bless you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And we will talk again. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Harry? Yes, sir. We got 30 seconds. Any last thoughts? No, another enjoyable wine segment. Always appreciate the opportunity to taste some fine wines and have a good chat. And uh, that's all I got to say. Didn't you like the uh, new. Uh, Political back and forth segment today. I the did cluster I, fudge. I thought Mike Martini was a <laughs> great like addition that. to the conversation. I like, I like that elegance. And I, exactly, I Mike Martini will regularly. be back next week yep. with Matt Heath. So. Excellent. All right, we got a split. Have a great Wednesday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Thursday Drive here on KSRO. News, traffic, weather, talk. Sonoma County's News Talk, KSRO Santa Rosa.